I want you to know I love the Puritans, so I'll try not to go too long. But there's no guarantee. This is Puritan night. And uh, the story of the one man who was asked at his ordination practicum to preach. Uh, and so he came and then they told him what text he was going to preach on. And so he opened up his Bible, looked at it and preached for an hour. They turned the hourglass because at that time they would have an hourglass at the pulpit and there would be a man who would come and he would flip the hourglass when it got to the end. He went through three hourglasses and upon his burning up the fourth, uh, then the head of the ordination council said, uh, that's fine. You can be seated. <laughs> so just be glad that uh, we're only here for a very short time tonight. But any reader of uh, good books knows that there are many good Puritan books that you can read. We have uh, quite a few that we sell in our bookstores. They are read today uh, by many Christians. And the question is why? It's because they have great biblical content. And they have stood the test of time. Yeah, you can't find them in most uh, what I call Christian fluff bookstores. But any good bookstore will have a large selection of Puritan works just because they were so thoroughly biblical. However, most uh, also know that the name Puritan and the adjective Puritanical are basically derogatory terms that are thrown out against, uh, you know, uh, this group of people who lived a long time ago who are really fanatics. Uh, they were called nonconformists, but uh, other people don't know that they were also called Puritans and Baptists and independent Bible believers. The title Puritan was given them because they wanted to conform. Here's their evil. They wanted to conform every area of their life to the scriptures. They wanted to be pure in living their life according to the word of God. And therefore, those who felt guilty, those who felt condemned because of their serious devotion to God, therefore gave them the derogatory term Puritan because they were convicted at their godly lifestyle. So Puritans have uh, ever since their... Arrival, really in the 1600s, a little bit before that, have become the group that everyone loves to hate because Satan, the God of this world, and evil men hate God. They hate God's word, so they hate the group that love God's word the most, which is the Puritans. And this has continued even to today. What most people know about the Puritans is they burnt innocent women at the stake for being witches. Um, they didn't believe in having fun and lived unhappy, boring, monotonous, hyper-religious lives. Um, that uh, pleasure for Puritans was strictly forbidden, uh, off limits, um, as life needed to be plain and non-exciting. Uh, that sexual intimacy was only for the purposes of procreation, not for pleasure. And that is why all Puritan women were called frigid, frigid, begrudging partners to their husbands. And all Puritans were workaholics. They never rested. They just worked. And then when they finally fell from exhaustion, they got up grumpy to work the next day. So this is kind of the idea that society puts out on Puritans. And you think, well, you know, I don't know if that is 
a true caricature. Well, let me just tell you what happened. Just this week, I went to open house at uh, uh, the nearby high school to uh, go and spend 10 minutes with one of my son's, uh, each of my son's teachers. And uh, when I went to his English teacher, about five of the 10 minutes that she had with all the parents was spent bashing the Puritans. Uh, she she started out by letting us know that this semester was going to be a great semester for they started out with the scarlet letter. They were then going to read the crucible and then they were going to read the meanest portion of Jonathan Edwards sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God, of course, leaving out the gospel presentation so that the students could understand the Puritans and how because the church attendance was waning, they decided to preach the scariest sermons they possibly could in an attempt to make people who weren't sinners feel like they were. And so that was just this week. And uh, of course, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to. I thought I need to be a guest speaker there. So why has this group been so vilified and they've been, you know, dead for 300 years? Because they were the godliest, most biblically oriented, faithful group of zealous Christians the world has ever seen. That is why. They are pretty much, apart from the apostles, the standard of godly behavior and a life purely devoted to God. And what secular historians love to do is take the exceptional case of somebody who lived during the time of the Puritans Somebody who lived on the lunatic fringe of Puritanism characterized them as the norm and then condemned the whole. That Satan and God-hating men have worked to slander the Puritans to some great effect. But there is a movement, a counter-movement against this, and Calvary Bible Church is part of it. Because we want you to know the truth. We want you to benefit from these people. We don't condone all the actions of the Puritans. We don't agree with all their doctrines. We don't think that their understanding of the Bible is infallible. As a matter of fact, they admitted that it wasn't. They would never have you idolize them or their writings or not study the scriptures on your own. But we encourage their general lifestyle, their general worldview, their desire to give God glory in every area of their life and to live their life strictly by the word of God. Now, since one of the slanders that have come against the Puritans and their work ethic is their work ethic, I thought I would talk about Puritans tonight in work and play so that you can kind of understand when somebody talks about, oh, the guy's a Puritan, the way he works, that uh, you'll have a good understanding of what that means So it's easy to sit on, you know, the bench and scream at professional athletes who are out at the field playing the game, pretending like you know 
more than those who have given their life and made it their profession to be athletes in their particular field. And that's what some people do with the Puritans. They don't know anything about the Puritans except what they've read in the crucible, what their high school teachers taught them. And uh, and so it's easy to throw stones at a group when you kind of imagine there's something they're not, create them into this bad group and then condemn them for what they never were. Before judgment is passed against them, we just need to look at their lives, look at the truth and then ask ourselves, well, is this good or is this not? And if it's not good, then we can say, yeah, that that part of the Puritans lives were bad. And if it's good, then we need to take the rebuke. If we find them in line with the word of God, our problem really is not with them, but it's with God. For if they align themselves with God and we disagree with them, then we're disagreeing with with God. If we find them in conformity to the word of God, then we need to have the courage and uh, the honesty to receive the rebuke to our own lives and admit that we have not conformed ourselves to the word of God like the Puritans did, and we should be more like them rather than condemn them. So what about the Puritans at work? If you were to scour the annals of history and searching for a group of people that had a thoroughly biblical work ethic, the Puritans are at the top of the heap beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm just going to give you um, just some Puritan principles. Uh, Most of these are from Leland Ryken's book called Worldly Saints, uh, which is his uh, book on the Puritans, a little bit from um, Horton Davies' work, uh, his three-volume huge tomes, about 800 pages each, on uh, the worship of uh, um, England, Uh, and then also from uh, J.A. Packer's uh, work, um, which is called, what is it called? Um, a quest for godliness. There it is. Most of this is from those three works. So if you're interested, quest for godliness, worldly saints and Horton Davies, um, the worship of, uh, um, the, the English in, in England. So the first thing the Puritans believed, and, and as I just tell you about these things and their work ethic, you just ask yourself, is this biblical or is this not? Is this bad or is this good? This is what they believed. The Puritans believed every kind of labor not forbidden in the word of God had inherent dignity. It didn't matter if you were the president or a garbage collector. It didn't matter if you were a heart surgeon or a ditch digger. Your job, your work, whatever it was, had inherent dignity. Where did they get this strange idea? Ecclesiastes 2.24, for instance, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that is from the hand of God. In Ecclesiastes 3, 3, verses 12 and 13, Solomon also says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. What is it? Labor is the gift of God. Secondly, the Puritans believe that since God was sovereign, since his providence governed all things, every job, every vocation was a calling from God. 
They thought that when uh, someone follows their God-given calling, it would be for their good, for the blessing of others, and for the glory of God. So if God made you a good carpenter, you do that because it would be good for you to be a carpenter because it would be a blessing for others to be a carpenter and we would give glory to God to follow your calling that God called and gifted you to do. Puritan John Cotton, who was mentioned earlier, commenting on the Christian work, said, quote, faith encourages a man in his calling to the homeliest and most difficult profession. Such homely employments, a carnal heart knows not how to submit unto But now faith, having put us into a calling, if it requires some homely employment and encourages us in it. So faith is ready to embrace any homely service his calling leads him to, which a carnal heart would blush even to be seen in, end quote. Here, Cotton Mather is explaining, you know, there's some people who don't have very glorious jobs. There are some people who do things which those in the world who don't love God would be ashamed to do. But these people understanding that all callings are God callings and all callings have inherent dignity, therefore are not ashamed because they know even by doing this menial task, they're being a blessing to someone else. And one of the greatest commands is what? To love your neighbor. Therefore, if I do even this menial task, this homely job, as long as it's a blessing to others, it has dignity and brings God glory and is actually an act of doing the second great commandment. Third, the Puritans went against the common thought of the day that vocations were to be divided into two general categories, sacred, you know, ministry related things and secular, um, every other kind of vocation. They taught all vocations were sacred. Can you believe that? They actually thought that Christians, whether they ate or drank or whatever they did, they should do all that to the glory of God. Can you believe that? Think of all the damage professing Christians have done because they have been Dr. Jekyll at church and Mr. Hyde at work. When they come to church, they slip on the Christian jargon, the Christian look, the Christian piety, And yet when they go to their workplace, they become this hideous monster. And then they, in that sphere, bring great reproach upon the name of Christ because they think that when you come into this building and you're around the Christians, that's your sacred part of your life and that your vocation is your secular part therefore it doesn't fall under the realm of the sacred and of course to live like that is to live a hypocritical lifestyle this the puritans condemned colossians three seventeen says whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks through him to god the father whatever you do in word or deed which meant whatever your vocation is whatever your job is whether you're a housewife or a professor or whatever it is, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means you do it in an excellent way for his glory. 
Four, the Puritans sought to integrate every job, task, profession into a spiritual exercise of their religious devotion to God. So whatever you did during the day, whatever your vocation, whether you were the housewife, you know, the baker, the butcher, the candlestick maker, whatever, whatever you did, you would pray to God that he could help you do your vocation in such a way that you would bring him the most glory and be the greatest witness for Christ in whatever your profession is. So the carpenter would work to be the most excellent carpenter he could possibly be so that when people saw his excellent work, he could give glory to God who gave him those skills. Five, the Puritan sought not only to serve God with one's vocation, and work, but to serve God through one's work, seeing every action as an opportunity to witness, give glory to God, and to benefit other people in society. Now, does that sound fanatical? It is fanatical compared to today. It may seem fanatical, not because it runs contrary to the word of God, but because it runs contrary to the normal thing that's happening in the world and has happened for so long. Can anyone show how working for God's glory is somehow a corrupt or evil concept or fanatical concept? Just think, if you took all the businesses just in Burbank... All the way, all the studios, all the businesses in Burbank, if for an entire year, everybody who worked in Burbank did everything for the glory of God. Think that'd be a bad thing? Six, the Puritans believe that all work to be a response to God and an act of worship. This begins to get very convicting here. When you realize that you are to live on the altar, offer your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And the present tense there means you were to always be a living and holy and acceptable sacrifice to God would mean that whenever you're working, when you're the plumber who is concerned about doing a good job on someone's house and you know that in doing that good job, you're worshiping God, that puts a whole new dimension into plumbing. When, you know, somebody goes to fix your car and they go the extra mile, not because you ask them to, but because, you know what, I see some things that could be fixed here. And while I've got the hood open, while I've got, you know, the engine torn out, I might as well fix these other things. And since I already had the parts on the shelf, I'm just going to give them to you and not charge you for the labor since you didn't ask. That puts a whole new dimension into car mechanics. And yet this is the Puritan thought. I am in my job to be a blessing to you, not a curse. I am here to serve you. God made me this way. His providence brought me to this place so I can benefit you. So I can love you. A little different than today. Seven, finally, the Puritans believed that every man had a calling from God and that that calling should not be entered into lightly and given up flippantly. Think of a lot of people, you know, you get a job, you don't like it, you go to another one, you go to another one. The Puritans taught their children, no, you find that job that you know that you want to do. You become an apprentice in that job. 
You become excellent in that job and you devote your life to that job so you can end up doing it in the most excellent way you possibly can to be the most blessing to your society and benefit your society in the greatest way. They knew that from Romans chapter 11, verse 29, that the gifts and calling of God were irrevocable. That's speaking of salvation in that text. But they thought, you know, if God's providence and his calling us to salvation in Christ is irrevocable, then surely his gifts that he gave us to do our vocation in this life were probably the same way. And so that's how they arrived at that. But this is what's really radical. And this is what's really runs contrary to the world today. The Puritans believed that the primary motivation of work was not financial. How many of you would work hard if you never got paid? Ever. (laughs) See, that's different. The Puritans believed that all success in our profession was not due to our work, our skills, or wisdom, but because of the grace of God given to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, God talks to Moses about the proper attitude the Israelites should have upon entering the land and enjoying the cisterns they didn't dig and the vineyards they didn't plant and the orchards they didn't grow and the houses they didn't build. And he says, otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and my strength and my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. Now, if you can believe this, the Puritan actually believed that. They thought, you know what? Jesus said, God makes some poor and God makes some rich and God gives the power to make wealth. It's my job not to try to seek to be wealthy or poor. It's my job to do an excellent job and to let God take care of me in that vocation he has called me to. And the Puritans did scorn idleness and laziness. So why do you think they did that? Proverbs fifteen nineteen, for instance, says the way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. So you think to yourself, should I have the way of thorns? Should I have the highway? I mean, you could probably figure that one out. The Puritans praised diligence. Why? Proverbs 12, 27, for instance, says a lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. So they were diligent. Why? Because the scriptures say so. They were not lazy. Why? Because the scripture says so. Richard Puritan or Puritan Richard Baxter said, quote, choose that employment or calling in which you may be most serviceable to God. Choose not that in which you may be most rich or honorable in the world, but that in which you may do most good and best escape sinning, end quote. Think about that. Put that on your resume. This is what I'm after. (laughs) Objective. William Tyndale, who some have labeled the first English Puritan, said that if we look externally, quote, there is a difference between washing dishes and preaching the word of God 
but as touching to please God, none at all. So if you are a dishwasher, washing dishes for the glory of God, and if you are a preacher preaching the word of God, there is no difference with God. Because God has given you your calling, you're both doing it for the glory of God and the benefit of society, and therefore there is no difference, only a different calling. Puritan William Perkins said, quote, they profane their lives and callings that employ them to get honors, pleasures, profits, worldly commodities, etc. For thus we live to another end. Then God has appointed and thus we serve ourselves and consequently neither God nor men, end quote. <laughs> you say, well, you know why you don't, man, I'm going to get this job. It pays more. I mean, you know, that's what. Frankly, we say. And then the question is, is, is that why you live to get paid more? Well, no, I live for the glory of God. And then why are you getting that, taking that job for the greater pay? Why don't you take that job for the greater good you can do mankind? Puritan Cotton Mather had many good things to say about working and his work, the Christian calling. He said, quote, a Christian should be able to give account not only what is his occupation but alas what he is in his occupation it is not enough that a christian have an occupation but he must mind his occupation as it becomes a christian end quote he later on writes god hath made man a social creature we expect benefits from human society it is but equal that human society should receive benefits from us end quote and he also said, quote, oh, let every Christian walk with God when he works at his calling, act in his occupation with an eye to God, act as under the eye of God, end quote. And he also said, quote, it is your business here, uh, clogged with difficulties and inconveniences, contentment under those difficulties is no little part of your homage to that God who has placed you where you are. End quote. The Puritan saw in the very pages of scripture, even before the fall, God having Adam work the garden. They said, if work was something assigned to man before the fall, not a result of the curse, then work is something inherently important to man, needful to man, and a good thing, for it came about and was given before the fall. So what lover of God could cast stones on the likes of men and women like these? You know, who would dare say that the world's way of doing things is far superior than the Puritans? Merely reading what they believed is a rebuke to grumbling and complaining and discontentment and self-motivated, money-loving pursuits in the work field today. Instead of scoffing at the Puritan's work ethic, I think it is in order that many of us confess our sins and strive to become more like them. But what about the Puritans at play? What did the Puritans do for fun or play? What did they do for relaxation or enjoyment and pleasure? The question itself is kind of loaded. You've probably noticed. Um, a question like that implies, one, 
loving God two, living for the glory of God and three living for the benefit of others is neither fun or pleasurable. In our day and age, Christians not only make a distinction between the sacred and secular when it comes to the work, but they do it when it comes to play and enjoyment and pleasures and relaxation. They often act like Christians at church and then play like devils. And the Puritans objected to the fundamental idea of serving God and others because they believed that serving God and others was the greatest form of pleasure. That's where they got their pleasure. They actually were pleased to serve each other. Puritans enjoyed their work because they enjoyed the Lord they worked for. They enjoyed their work because they loved the other people, the, the people that were blessed by their work. Thus, unlike us, they did not gain the most satisfaction from pampering and indulging their flesh whenever they had a moment off, but in redeeming every moment of every day for the glory of God and the blessing of others. And that was a pleasure to them. You know, I like doing a lot of things, fishing, gardening, used to bow hunt. But listen, if somebody says, now, would you rather do those things or preach? No brainer. I love preaching. I love teaching. I would just give those things up to do these things as I have for the most part. Why? Because I want to fulfill my calling. I want to fulfill my calling. And I don't want to just be an okay preacher. I want to be the best preacher I can be. I want to work. I keep getting to be better. Why? Because I want to be a more blessing to you. I mean, it's my goal that every week you say, oh, your sermon is better than ever you preached before. I mean, it's hard to be that way, but that's my goal. There was a controversy during the Puritan times in England, which I think will help us understand the Puritan thought in this area. It was called the calendar calendry conflict this is during the 1600s there were basically three calendars held by three different groups there was the roman catholic calendar which someone described as a boy in adolescence with lots of pimples dotted everywhere with a day off and the roman catholics had days off for all the standard things holidays you know christmas easter um, Maypole Day, things like that. Then they had a bunch of other days for saints and then a bunch of other days for Marian worship. So along came the Anglican Church, which kind of broke away from the Church of England, Episcopal Church in America, which bro- broke away from the Roman Catholic Church. And, and they had a calendar which was pretty similar without the Marian worship days. And then came the Puritans, Someone said their Puritan faces were without blemish, except for a single spot, Sunday. Sunday was their day. You want to know what days they have off? Every Sunday. Now, the problem is, is they had the scriptures on their side. The other ones didn't. So they could support from the scriptures that Christians took Sundays to worship and that there was no biblical justification for taking of those, any of those other days. Did we even know um, if they were accurate of the days Christ, you know, died or rose from the dead or, you know, his, his birth? They said, we don't even know if those things are true. Many Puritans did believe in what is called Sabbatarianism, which is they believe that the apostles, being Jews, worshiping on the seventh day, Saturday, the Sabbath, 
when Christ came that the church then transferred basically the Sabbath over to Sunday and kind of Christianized the Sabbath. Not all of them were like this. So the Sunday uh, was the Christian Sabbath. If you read their readings, a lot of times when they refer to the Sabbath, they're referring to Sunday because that's when Christians met. And what did they like to do? What brought them the most enjoyment? What was fun on their day off every week? It was to pray, spend time in private devotions, spend time fellowshipping with the people of God, spend time reading sermons, spend time meditating on biblical works. And these things were the things that brought them the most pleasure. The Puritans did not like is they did not like what many other churches were doing because at that time there was a reaction. A lot of other Christians felt guilty. At least professing Christians felt guilty, especially in the church of England, because the Puritans were so devoted to spending time with the Lord on Sunday that, that they kind of felt guilty. And so King James the first, you know, the one who commissioned the King James Bible and following that Charles the first both published a book called, um, what was it called? It was called the book of sports, which is to describe how you can play sports on Sunday after church. Now the Puritans objected to these activities and a lot of times people will mention that, but what they didn't mention was what also happened on sports events, which were accompanied by church ales. Now, if you're thinking, do you mean like beer? That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> what happened was, is at that time, the church building programs and maintenance programs were supported by church ales. And so what would happen is, is after church on Sunday, um, different people would be told, listen, if you make beer at home, if you make wine at home, bring it to the potluck after church and um, and then we'll sell it at church and the proceeds from your donated beer will be used to support the building program. Roger, are you here? Yeah, um, there you are, Roger. There we go. I've never participated in one of these, but it would be interesting. So the Puritans, believe it or not, objected to those kind of things. Because what they saw happening was they saw in these drinking feasts all the carnality that came about from it. Davies, Horton Davies writes, the Puritans objected to was, quote, the beery buffoonery, bodiness, idleness, and profanity that accompanied the church ales. When Nicholas... Brownie wrote his book, The Doctrine of the Sabbath, plainly laid forth and soundly proven. It received little circulation. But as soon as King James and Charles came on the scene, it was first condemned in 1599. And later on in 1600, the Lord Chief Justice ordered all remaining copies of the book to be burned. The Puritans then and all the other people were so suspicious since they were kept in the dark during the dark ages and the printing press was working fine then that instantly 
The book became an excess, success as soon as they condemned all copies to be burned. Davies says, quote, immediately the book became a great success and many other printings um, and had many other printings. It became adopted by all opponents of the religious and civil settlements, end quote. And everybody read it and everybody adopted it. As you know what? That's the right thing. So it wasn't just the Puritans. So to close with. Do you think we can justly condemn the Puritans as fanatics, as sinful, because their greatest pleasure was in fellowshipping with the saints, praying, meditating on the word of God, hearing the preaching and teaching of the word of God, and resting unto the Lord one day a week. And that was their greatest day of the week. That was the greatest single fun that they had. Maybe instead of attacking them to ease our own guilty consciences, we should just examine our own lives and be more Puritan-like because that is the legacy they leave. All right, Brock, where are you? Come on up, dude.